Welcome to the Brand and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. In each one of our episodes, you'll experience insightful discussion about important topics you can turn around and implement in your business to become a more effective insurance professional. We're going to jump in the, into the discussion today, and it's uh, it's just Chris and I. So, Chris, how are you doing? Doing fine, Paul. Yourself? Doing well. Doing well. We figured we'd spend a little bit of time talking about the uh, you know the origin story of. Uh, of your company, Brand and Associates, and and uh, just some of the background. It's one of those things. It's always good to know where people come from. It seems like that uh, the genealogy. Sometimes you meet somebody from a company. You want to see which which company they started with, so you can get some ideas of uh, of what you can expect. But um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you know how you got started in the insurance business in general? Um, was it something you wanted to do since you were little, or? How'd you get into it? I got a phone call on the day I graduated. I got a phone call. I don't remember. And um, they say, hey, do you want to come down to have an interview um, for an underwriting position? Well, I didn't know anything about underwriting. I didn't know anything about insurance. I didn't ever, ever, ever want to go into insurance. It's the last place in the world I wanted to go. I'd been working at IBM and I loved IBM. So I got this call and I went down and um, they told me about this pretty neat job where I would get to go travel and see different people all over. And eventually, if I was good enough, I'd help with sales and do whatever underwriting meant. I still didn't know what underwriting meant. But it sounded like kind of an interesting job. And um, they brought me back for another interview. So before that interview, I got my hair cut because it's kind of long. And um, I was young then. And so they offered me the job. I still can't believe they offered me the job with them after the interviews. And the thing I really remember about it was right immediately after that before starting the job i went out to niagara falls with my fiance my wife now ever since and um we were over on the canadian side and there was this um sign a neon sign and it said and i i don't remember today whether it said underwriting or undertaking and i looked at it and i looked up there and i go hey that's going to be my job i'm just not sure which one it is <laughs> that's how much I knew about insurance when I got into the insurance industry. <laughs> but that's that's how it ended up happening. And um, and I can't tell you I came into it thinking highly of the industry because I didn't. No, I can't imagine, especially because you didn't come right out of college and and it's pretty unusual. I mean, especially when you were starting your career, IBM was kind of like a fantastic job. It was some like some of those uh, fancy startups today that uh, kids coming out of school want to go work for. So that was a yeah. that was a unique transition. It was really unique. Um, one of the I always tell people kind of a story about it is that I was working with IBM in Florida, and to no offense to anyone in Florida, but it's a rather flat, humid place, and I I like dry mountains. So I wanted to get, get back to Colorado. And um, so my resume showed that I'd worked for IBM and the office 
where I um, was hired, there was about 200, 250 people at the time. But this one office was unoccupied except for the very first desktop computer. They had made a shrine out of this desktop computer that home office had set and no one in the 250 people knew how to use it. Um, I think that's why I got hired into the insurance industry because I knew how to use an IBM desktop computer. I had already, I had learned to program them. I knew the software, uh, the hardware. I knew a lot about it at the time. I think that's why I got the job. So I could go enter the shrine. People, I think, looking back, people were afraid to walk into the room. They were afraid they were going to break it just by walking into the room. It was really kind of a humorous. Uh, it was humorous. Especially yes. looking back, it was humorous. The table, the uh, green screen. Yeah, it was a green screen for sure. Yep. So now you're in it. You got into insurance, um, underwriting, working for, yep. for a carrier. And yep. then what prompted the move from that into, into consulting? Well, it's one of those things, Paul, that it was a series of events that all occurred pretty much simultaneously. I was finishing my master's and as part of my master's, I had to do a year's volunteer work. It was one of the core requirements. And um, the volunteer work had to be with the Small Business Administration. They have a program that still exists today um, called SCORE. Um, they used to have an ancillary program called ACE. So I was doing the volunteer work through ACE. And this is where um, ACE was for current business people, SCORE is for retired business people. It's a great program for anyone that wants to help other business people in retirement. I encourage everyone to consider volunteering for it. Um, but I had to do that program and I, I had success. I was able to talk these small business people into changing the way they were doing their, their business and it, it worked. And I was like, wow, well, most insurance agents are nothing different. They're just small business people in the insurance industry. I had found that I could build rapports with agents as an underwriter, um, some ex-agents that I didn't really like might contest that I built rapport, but I was able to build rapport with all the quality agents and people I really liked. And I thought, man, I think I could do this. At the same time that happened, that light bulb turned on. Um, I had submitted um, uh, an idea on how the company could save a bunch of money. And it turned out to be the largest award uh, in the company's history. So suddenly I had the capital to start the business. And then the third thing that happened simultaneous to that, and I, I swear I put my hand on a Bible because I think this is the only explanation for it, is that the CEO of the company woke up one day and said, property and casualty insurance has no future. I'm going to kill it. Health insurance is the future. And he didn't sell the PNC. He killed it. He just like killed it. He put the whole, he put the 
there, I think he kept yachts, but outside yachts, which is another weird issue, um, he put the entire PNC book into runoff. He didn't even he didn't even sell it. He put it into runoff, and so there was these layoffs coming for everybody that was in the whole company that was on the property casualty side. Um, and it's like, okay, I think I found my calling. I have this money from the idea I submitted and I'm going to get all this extra money for being laid off. I think I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start consulting for insurance agents. And that's pretty much how it started. So, well, I have to ask a follow-up question because when you probably started as a, uh, as an underwriter, especially at that time of, of uh, the industry, there had to be a halfway uh, put together training program, fairly structured to help teach you the industry. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's ever been a, uh, a structured consulting <laughs> training program. <laughs> so did you have a mentor? How did you make that, that transition? Because you, you know, you knew a lot about one side of the business, but you know, most agents will say, well, the company people don't know what we do. So. Yeah, that's a very fair point. And, Lord knows I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. Um, so, yeah. So leading up to that, I, I started doing informational interviews. I, I called, I flew out, I visited every consultant in the industry that would give me five minutes. And um, I did. I found a really good mentor. I really did. And um, I owe a lot to him. And then my wife um, was working for a big international consulting firm. And she said she would support me if I read this one book called The Secrets of Consulting. Anybody that's interested in consultative sales should read that book. The Secrets of Consulting by Weisberg, Weinberg. It is, um, it's an old book. It's an easy to read book. But if there is a Bible, a really solid Bible and it's humorous. It's it's a fun book to read. That's the book everybody should read. Um, she said, "I'll support you if you read this." And it was part of the training program for all consultants in that international consulting pro, um, company. It was it's excellent. So I got really really fortunate. I found a mentor. Then he introduced me to another mentor up in Canada of all places, who was phenomenal. And they, the two of them gave me a lot of support. Um, they really helped me out a lot. And um, the, sometimes it was throwing, it's like uh, the old stories about how do you learn to swim? Someone throws you in the water and you either learn to swim or you don't. Um, the first ENO audits I did, the one, the one mentor, he said, hey, you want to come down and do five ENO audits with me? I didn't know at the time what he and audits were. It's embarrassing to say at this point, but I had no clue, Paul. So I flew down and I sat down with him and just sat kind of in the corner and watched him do the ENO audit the first day and watched him do it the second day on the third day. It was the third agency. We did one agency a day. Um, he did it the first half, came back from lunch and he goes, well, Chris, you got it the second half. Like, what? <laughs> And then at the end of the at the end of the day on Wednesday, he said, "I'm flying home. The you do it tomorrow, Friday. I'm kind of bored with this." I was like, "What?" 
You're kidding me. I don't know anything. <laughs> I have no clue. But um, somehow it worked. I, I'm still not sure today how it works. <laughs> but that was the training program, Paul, to a large extent. It was the training program. And um, I do have to say one other thing. Since I do a lot of valuations, I'm, I'm really fair. I'm quite highly accredited in the valuation world. And I joined um, the IBA, who's now part of NACVA, and their training programs are really excellent. And so people that are interested in doing consulting in a particular area, I really encourage anyone, everyone, to join one of these associations that research which ones have the really, really good training and, and join them. Their training at it's far superior to the training I see for insurance agents and staff people today, exponentially more, exponentially better. Yeah, it is. It is great to have uh, a good training program, but one thing that I'll always, I use this saying quite a bit just to describe me um, when we're talking about experience. And I like to say good judgment comes from experience you have a lot, a lot of experience comes from bad judgment. <laughs> so, so, so you just, you do, no matter how much, how much training you have and you want to get the best that you can get. Uh, once you try to implement that training, there are, there are always going to be those times when you stub your toe and, and, but boy, the learning experiences are phenomenal. They, they really are. And, you know, you have to, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was very young. I was way too young when I started the consulting, way too young. But um, I remember the first paying gig was to help an agency find a market. And uh, the agency looked at me and like, look, we have between us, the two partners, we have 80 years experience and you have five, six, seven. Why are you going to have success when we can't find a market? And I said, because everyone hates you. <laughs> and they're like, well, that's fair enough. All right, we'll hire you. <laughs> and <laughs> so, um, and they really were, they were pariahs to everybody. They just had burned every bridge imaginable. Um, and it was a hard, it was a very hard part of the market, um, niche in the market. So, you know, sometimes, what you have to know is, is the personalities involved, not necessarily the technical stuff. And how does that, how does that flow into the kind of advice that you can give people and help people to make the right decisions? And that, you know, that even goes for an insurance agent is to understanding that personality to help convince them to buy the right coverage instead of just leaving the conversation at, you asked for a quote, I gave you a quote. How do you take it to that next level? It's the same thing as what I told them. Um, I told them I still have a frame of the, of, the down, of the contract and the down payment of getting that job by telling them that, you know, honestly, everyone just dislikes you. They really hate you. You're kind of, a, you're not pleasant people. Oh, well, that's, that's the, the characteristic honesty, but uh, yeah. I do have to ask one other question to you. Um, 
So you start at IBM. You're not really interested in insurance too much. You're you're underwriting. You make the switch to to consulting, and so you start your career thinking, eh, insurance. But yet, of all the the insurance professionals that I associate with, have known over the years, I don't know anybody that's a bigger advocate for the industry and what a a, a noble profession it could be. Um, you know, how did you go from, I don't even know what this is to this is one of the best professions, you know, out there. There are two events. Um, before the CEO of the company, the insurance carrier I was working for had the dream that there was no future in property and casualty insurance. He had a uh, preliminary dream and his preliminary dream was that you could be, you could sell personal lines without selling homeowners or without selling auto. I apologize. You could sell personal lines and be a, a, a valid personal lines carrier without selling auto. And it was like, that's brilliant. That's really brilliant. And I needed to keep working to, until I finished my master's. And they had, we had quotas, we had sales quotas. So um, I had to learn to sell really quickly. So I embarked and I went and visited every agent on my list that was, you know, within my marketing territories, my underwriting territories. And I said to them, I said, look, we won't contest that the CEO of this company while he may have a high IQ, as is kind of an idiot. Let's 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 both agree on that. I said, but I've got a job to do, and what I am willing to do, and I did this all on my own. I didn't ask permission. I mean, why do you ask permission from a bunch of idiots? So, I told him I would train them on why insurance is so good and how to sell insurance. And how what coverage is really meant, and how to explain coverages to insurance. And I did, man. I I was on the road. I visited every agency that would that was in my territory. I did everything I could, and I ended up more than doubling sales by doing that. And I saw the good that it brought. And it was like, okay, if we start selling insurance as a way of really protecting people. We have we have something to go for it, and then at the same time, I read a book called um, "How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success by Selling." How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success by Selling is written by Frank Betcher. He was the number one life insurance salesman in the United States for several years. By the time I read the book, he had he had been uh, he had passed away a long time ago. But I got done with the book, and I wanted to buy life insurance, and I was like. Why is it that a dead man in a book can convince me to sell, buy life insurance and none of the life insurance salesmen up to them could? What's the difference? And the difference was he showed people what the value, what the return on investment of life insurance was. Not necessarily with math, usually with emotion. And that was like, oh, man, I get that. This is what makes insurance so awesome, why it makes it noble. This is what we have the power to do 
we have the power, if we work at it, to convince people to buy the insurance they truly need. And when people buy the insurance they truly need, they their lives are protected. Their livelihoods are protected. Um, something goes wrong in life, they can rebuild quickly. They can get their life back together quickly. If we take it further, like I did way back in, in you know, 1990, and I explained to these agents all over the United States, it's not just about selling insurance, it's about protecting children. Instead of telling somebody about a homeowner's policy, why don't you also um, talk to them about escape plans for their children if there's a fire? Because that's what's the most important asset is their children, not their house. We're in a unique position, a noble opportunity to make people's lives better and get paid really well for it. I mean, this is why I believe in the industry so much. And it's also why it pains me so much to see people come into the industry that are just there to sell insurance without any regards to whether it's adequate um, insurance. And the fact that I live in Colorado, the fact that the wildfire that hit the suburbs of Boulder in January, the Colorado Department of Insurance is estimating, I believe it's 90% of the homes were materially underinsured. That just pains me to no end because we have the opportunity to make it 10% underinsured and 90% insured adequately. And that's, that's the goal I think we should all aspire to. Yeah, and I guess almost to wrap it up, it's a two-part thing, uh, and and I've known this uh, my the whole time I've interacted with you uh, since I've known you um, is that you know you, you have the power to do something for people with with a with a, a good product, mm-hmm. but what is the Spider-Man movie with great power comes great responsibility, right? right. As we is we've got the that's where that's where I think I've always seen you advocate is you've got the responsibility to to use this industry to to help people it isn't just the it isn't just the sale because if you don't uh, take responsibility do the things that need to be done to make yourself a uh, knowledgeable professional absolutely you're not really going to f- fulfill the role that we we should have and 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 when we don't we become our own worst enemies out there with the with uh the general public. Absolutely, Paul. Yeah, we do. We have the power. We have the responsibility to make people's lives better. That's a pretty cool thing, actually. That's pretty neat. Very much so. Well, Chris, thank you for, uh, for sharing that. It was, it's a, it's an interesting story. I've, I've, uh, enjoyed that really enjoyed getting to know you and we will, uh, look forward to talking with everybody next time. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Paul.